Welcome to Detangling Development, a seven-part podcast series brought to you by UNIPID, the Finnish University Partnership for International Development. In this podcast, we dive deeper into important themes related to development by interviewing a guest with expert insight or research background in the specific topic. I'm your host, Melissa Plath, and I'm a senior specialist at UNIPID. We thought we would kick off this series by bringing in the director of UNIPID, Johanna Kivimäki, to be our guest today. Welcome, Johanna. Thanks, Melissa. It's very nice to be here. It's all very exciting. <laughs> Good. So let's start with an easy question. Why is UNIPID making a podcast? Well, as you know, UNIPID uh, is to be 20 years this year. Uh, and, well, we basically are grown up enough to broadcast, right? Of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the podcast series is part of our 20th year anniversary campaign. And we wanted to develop and try out some new ways of communicating and engaging with our stakeholders. And, well, uh, podcast offers a more informal and more accessible channel to to discuss and share about some of the burning topics of global development, especially in, in the Finnish Academia currently. And, and well, they are also, of course, relevant to Unibit's work. As, as at the same time, of course, this this is part of our efforts to integrate global responsibility and global south perspectives in universities' work, and and to support these global partnerships for sustainable development. I think uh, there's a lot of interesting elements there, and and it brings me to the next question: Why do we need to detangle development? Well, uh, global development is a complex topic. Uh, if we, for instance, look at the Agenda 2030, there are 17 sustainable development goals and they are all interconnected and they request basically multi and interdisciplinary responses and also responses by the different societal actors globally and collaboration between these. So, well, this is, of, of course, it's obviously not easy and it is not easy to understand these connections and how one action affects the other goals how they are all connected to and affected by global inequalities as well. In UNIPID, we like to say everything is connected to everything. Exactly, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> so we selected six themes for uh, the episodes of our podcast, and we will discuss one theme per episode. But today we're going to give a bit of an overview of, of each of the themes so our Uh, listeners get an insight into what we will be speaking about throughout the next uh, six episodes. So let's get into it, Johanna. One of the themes we're going to discuss is research-based development policy. Why is this interesting? Well, obviously, knowledge-based approach is considered as a key factor for quality across the different policy areas. This is, of course, re- reflected in Finland and also globally. And over the years... We have been working uh, quite a bit for enhancing the use of research-based knowledge in in policy making, and we're involved in the different policy areas: higher education policy, science policy, sustainability policy, and then also development policy. We are asked for input and deliver researchers' contributions to a variety of these processes and and policy paper drafts, and we also participate actively in many kind of uh, national working groups and fora to kind of integrate the research communities and higher education communities perspectives to to different policy work. And that's not easy because what I think we've seen over the years is that researchers and the 
the research language is quite different from what policymakers speak and trying to find a common language can be very difficult and even finding common place to actually discuss together can be very difficult, right? Definitely. And like, as I said, like we have been working on, on this topic over the years and maybe one of the, our kind of most elaborated and pointed actions in this regard is, is our commissioned uh, studies mechanism through which we identify and then contract the most suitable available researchers to collaborate with and respond to the Ministry for Foreign Affairs officials' knowledge needs related to development policy. So, Johanna, do you think it's important to have then a kind of mediator between researchers and policymakers uh, in order to achieve this kind of knowledge-based policymaking? I think it is. For instance, what we're doing is that we somehow create like a neutral space for the both parties to have the encounters, to be able to negotiate, for instance, the expectations related to the quality of knowledge, which is the kind of question behind why the communications are so hard. Mm. For instance, it's, it is about what is somehow too theoretical or too specific to be then useful in policymaking. At the same time, what is maybe too practical and general to be elaborated through this uh, scientific process? And how can we reach the midways? And uh, it is what I've been kind of realizing that like having the space and like real encounters mm. uh, is definitely like a key aspect for, for the success of this dialogue. And then for us, of course, one like if we look at the research community to facilitate this collaboration, it is also a process of learning, but it's learning for the both sides. Mm. I mean, I think that and there's the dialogue is very important that like in, in these processes and encounters between research and policymakers, they actually kind of learn from the approaches of the others, learn from the kind of uh, making of knowledge in the policy side and then then on the research side. And I think that's like one of the kind of key results coming out from, from these dialogues. Also, according to the feedback we have received from these collaborations, the negotiations of these expectations, for instance, have been actually easier than was expected. And and it's for both researchers and officials. However, somehow this like potentially mismatching of the expectations still seem to be the kind of key concern in the in the collaboration. So there is still something interesting interesting about it and and something that kind of lays the ground for and and somehow not attention but something there when when the collaboration is starting and I think somehow to, that to understand this better we would somehow need to think more about the specific nature of research and then of course about the policy making and then then also researchers as sources of knowledge for policy making and I think it would be then important to discuss also like this in comparison to other sources of knowledge for policymaking and kind of understanding how, how all this is, is put together and uh, what is the difference is in, in producing knowledge and using knowledge. So on the one hand, we have the need for research-based information and knowledge to come into the policies to improve the quality of policy policy making and policies. And on the other hand, this kind of difficulty of having a mismatched language, a mismatched uh, maybe expectation. So trying to uh, manage those two two issues is uh, one of the biggest items on our agenda in Unipid. But I think this goes beyond what Unipid is looking at, and it's about in general in policy making in in Finland, but also uh, internationally. So. 
uh, I, I'm quite looking forward to this episode. Another topic uh, on our agenda is development cooperation and the private sector in education. In our field, in UNIPID, this is uh, one of the hot topics, uh, as well as for, for higher education institutions. Why is this important right now, Johan? Basically, in Finland, there is a strong drive for branding Finnish education as a, as a somehow a model to be used in both highlighting Finland's role in finding solutions for global learning crisis and then, then also for commercial pros- purposes. And also UNIPIT participates in, in some of these discussions and, and national coordination around this, this topic. And, and we are sharing some concerns about this approach as well uh, when we're talking about global responsibility of, of the potential col- collaboration that is brought forward uh, in this frame. So do you think, Johanna, this is going to be a controversial topic? It is a controversial topic and it is something that has been noticed already in the Fini- in the national fora that like it is it is definitely a controversial topic and if we if we think about for instance the Finnish education system it it definitely has some many strengths and and there can be a lot to learn from but but then again we have a long history built on the kind of specific Phoenix Finnish context and and developed hand in hand by the wider social security as well. So the complication in branding this Finnish education as a model that can be somehow exported or be imitated elsewhere, there's the risk of somehow undermining the local context and and the needs in the partner countries. And in fact, this topic, I think, comes to a lot of the challenges with development, that on the one hand, we have these good experiences in Finland, but to try to remove that from the context the historical context of what was happening in Finland and how this was developed and sort of transplant this somewhere else, that's not really possible. On the other hand, you have a clear need for addressing uh, and improving education around the world. So to learn some of the lessons, but still taking into account local context, I think this is one of the kind of core challenges uh, in development cooperation as a whole. Definitely, it is. And then, of course, related to this making a commercial product of Finnish education that is actually an inclusive public good and then selling it to the countries and the part of the population who can afford it, it's controversial as well. And of course it can in the end turn out to diminish the efforts to somehow enhance Finland's role Mm. as like, as in finding solutions for a global learning crisis. So these are kind of topics and collaborations that need very careful careful consideration. I think I'm seeing the tangle here. Do you think we're going to be able to detangle it in our episode? Well, it's definitely complicated. But I mean, education as such is not necessarily a bad commercial product. Mm -hmm. And it is probably among the most impactful means to advance sustainable development. But it's just that there needs to be careful consideration of how it's framed in these collaborations. And if there's a Finnish education as a model that is brought into this, or it's an education product apart. Yeah, absolutely. I think this episode is going to deal with, again, some of these core questions that we have in development, that how do we uh, manage um, these complicated and uh, gray areas of cooperation and of trying to uh, support development overall, and this is, of course, very much related to our 
other topic that we will discuss as well, uh, which is our involvement in in contributing to the Africa strategy as well. Right, Melissa? Yes, and it's quite interesting because I think that this also deals with a lot of the same issues as with the the development cooperation in private sector and education, which is what is Finland's role kind of in in the globe in general when it comes to development cooperation and when it comes to sustainable development, what is the role that Finland wants to have and how are we seeing that through policies like the Africa strategy? So the Finnish government in spring 2021 published uh, this Africa strategy, which goes across uh, the the government. So it it's meant to be a kind of Finland's Africa strategy and to outline the cooperation that Finland will uh, and the, the kind of strategy for cooperation that Finland will undertake uh, with Africa. And it's quite um, interesting because the attempt is a new one and it's a new perspective on how we see cooperation with with Africa. It's trying to move from uh, looking at our cooperation as something that is based on development, on a kind of aid thinking, and to move into a perhaps more modern way of cooperation with different countries around the world or global cooperation, which is based on uh, reciprocity, uh, mutual benefit, that you know we all have to win something here for this this cooperation to make sense. And what I think it's quite uh, interesting to see is that how this strategy kind of showcases uh, the role that Finland wants to play globally. I don't have all the answers yet, uh, and I'm looking forward to to the conversation with our guests to delve a little bit more into how Finland will actually play this role through the Africa strategy. Yeah, and I think for this as well, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how the implementation then, like how is this reciprocal and more equal and fair partnerships played there. And I think that's one of the key topics that we're, we're discussing as well. From a Unipit perspective, one of the issues that we think is very important is that when we are developing partnerships, whether it's at the kind of national bilateral partnerships, multilateral partnerships, or then between higher education institutions, that these partnerships need to be uh, more equitable uh, than they have been previously. They need to have benefits, uh, more equal benefits for everyone. And this is a topic that that we are going to be discussing uh, a lot, including through one of the other episodes uh, of our podcast, which is on feminist and decolonial approaches in academic partnerships. And here we're taking a kind of specific uh, view on what what we want to bring forward about academic partnerships. Why why are we taking this, Jan? Well, if we look at the kind of Finnish landscape again, I think uh, there's recently a lot of national initiatives for increasing academic collaboration with the Global South. And and this is encouraging new partnerships. And even though there are these good intentions to make these collaborations more responsible and more fair, they still often turn out to be fairly Eurocentric, to be honest. And and then they fail to adequately kind of reflect the aims for equality and reciprocity. So things need, need to change if we are actually like uh, going to reach this aim for for fair partnerships. 
And of course, UNIPIT has worked years on promoting and discussing responsible academic collaboration with the Global South partners. And recently we have also taken initiative to create like more concrete support for the higher education institutions in this regard. There might be some terms here that are not familiar for a kind of uh, listener who isn't so involved in development discourse. So what do we mean when we say decolonial approaches? Well, of course, all of this is somehow connected to the wider aim of decolonizing Finland's partnerships with the Global South and increasing the kind of understanding of the global and, and local historic, cultural, political and also economic context for collaboration. So for this, of course, some ethical considerations are necessary for us to be able to address the inherent inequities in the partnerships with asymmetrical power relations. And, but somehow that's not enough. Like somehow there is also this need to really reimagine and rebuild these partnership frameworks and partnership with, with reciprocity and equality. And, and I think there specifically the feminist and decolonial academic discussions could, could provide important insights for ways forward. Do you think, Johanna, we can talk about decolonial approaches in Finland when Finland has never really been a colonial power in the way that, for example, Great Britain has or or the way that Belgium has been? Yes, I think, well, first of all, of course, Finland has the colonialist past, of course, with indigenous people uh, as well. But the whole frame for partnerships and global partners is, is defined by these global inequalities and and related to the colonialism, not necessarily directly by Finland, but Finland is in these structures and doing the collaboration. And of course, it's also related to our attitudes, our ways of speaking. Our ways discourse. of looking at the world. Exactly. So it's even though we have not been kind of colonizing other countries, uh, we're still definitely working in that frame. We're still implicated in this uh, system, and so we have to, as you said, reimagine ways of actually doing these partnerships to make them more fair and reciprocal and all of the things that we've been talking about thus far. Well, there's no like smooth way to move into the next topic, so I'm just going to change the change the topic. One of our episodes will focus on one health and global inequality. And this is an interesting topic for me because it's something that I have become familiar with only the past few years, which maybe should be embarrassing, but here we are. We're not perfect. We don't know everything, Johan. <laughs> Surprising. Um, and one of the things that I think is very interesting about this topic is that it looks at the world in a much more holistic way uh, than perhaps we have before. And I think this is um, this can be seen and be reflected in some of the current events that we've been experiencing. Why is Unibit kind of discussing this topic specifically? Uh, I think that we are looking at this topic for, for a variety of reasons. First, uh, as we have seen from, for example, the COVID pandemic, you cannot separate uh, poverty, from global health, from food systems, from health systems. In fact, these things are, are all kind of related. They're, the world is not segment, segmented into different parts that are neatly approached that, okay, we have uh, this COVID-19 uh, 
issue, so we will just put the health people on that and then we've solved it. But we've seen that, for example, uh, it's a very easy example to take right now because we've all been experiencing this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, but it also really speaks to to the need of of looking uh, more holistically at at uh, the world. So, for example, we've seen that uh, COVID can be, uh, or that diseases can come uh, from animals into human health. We've seen that those who are uh, living in certain countries have access to uh, medicine in a much faster, uh, much much. Uh, easier way than in other countries. We've seen that the impacts of things like pandemics impact people and countries differently. So this topic um, approaches development in a way which shows that there are connections between, between human social things, governance, policy things, animal, food systems, agriculture things, and health things. So I think if we thought that education uh, and development is a, a tangled mess, this is another tangled me- mess. But what's interesting is the One Health approach is trying to find a way through through that um, through that tangle. So, why is Unipid discussing this? Which was your original question? Uh, is that these are some of the key themes of development? These are some of the key topics where uh, multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary research is absolutely essential for finding solutions to these global challenges, uh, for making policies that can adequately uh, uh, deal with some of these issues, both in Finland, but also uh, in, for example, the Finnish contribution to the UN or to the EU. So this this gets to the heart of a lot of what we do uh, in Unipid and is one of the reasons that I think this is an important topic, especially now and especially for Unipid. All right, the the final uh, episode that we're going to discuss is on uh, students' global competencies. Uh, so it's a bit different um, theme from from the others, but still very relevant. What are we actually talking about when we're talking about global competencies? What does that mean? Basically, global competence refers to this knowledge, skills, attitudes and values that are needed for successful global collaboration. And of course, this is now related also to the to the topics that we've already discussed, the kind of building responsible partnerships. Like if we think about it more more widely uh, it is about how how we kind of be able to create joint goals how we can understand our own actions and the consequences of our own actions how we can kind of uh, act in an ethical way in the global environment how we can somehow have these reach these joint goals to address well-being and sustainable development globally And why do we think that students need to have these in particular? Well, the students are the future decision makers, basically. Like uh, they are the ones who who will be doing this collaboration, and like it's somehow like we, if we look at the, for instance, how how this global collaboration has been discussed in the national fora as well. There's actually like there's been kind of noticed a lot of lack of these global competencies. Somehow we have a lot of professionals working on education uh, on different topics in Finland and nationally mm. and then there is this idea of of 
bringing this Finnish knowledge, bringing or collaborating with Finnish knowledge with, with other partners globally as well. But we, we need the kind of glue to be able to do that collaboration. And there, there, there are the global competencies very much needed. Especially if we think about, for example, some of the earlier issues that we were discussing, that the role that Finland wants to have in the world and to play in some of these multilateral discussions, there it's really important that we have people involved who have these global competencies to be able to kind of meet the goals that Finland is setting for uh, for this multilateral collaboration. Definitely. We have a lot of very exciting uh episodes and uh, a very exciting and interesting set of themes uh, for our podcast, research-based development policy, development cooperation and the private sector and education, Finland's role in global sustainable development, feminist and decolonial approaches and academic partnerships, one health and global inequality, uh, and students' global competencies. Johanna, I'm going to wrap up with two questions, very important. First question is, how would you describe the work that Unipid does to a seven-year-old? We are a team of people who sit by our computers to kind of and send emails back and forth with uh, people who we want to get collaborating uh, amongst themselves and with us. Maybe I would add that we organize fun events And also we organize classes for students to learn. Exactly. Perfect. We nailed it. So, Johanna, final question. What's next? Well, next we're going to be continuing with, with our very exciting 20th anniversary year. Definitely. Uh, with with many kind of interesting uh, activities. But but looking at our like focus of activities and and actions, I think which also is shown by the topics that we're discussing here. There's this kind of cross-cutting, uh, cross-cutting uh, aspect of it, which is very much related to these partnerships uh, and globally responsible partnerships, whether it's between Finnish academia and the academia in the global south or, or then between the researchers and policymakers here in Finland or, or more widely. But definitely the partnership, partnership topic is... Uh, something that we will be detangling more uh, in the upcoming year as well. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to all of the many exciting activities that we have for the 20th uh, anniversary of Unipid. Uh, Johanna, thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure as always to chat with you. Hey, this was really nice. Thanks, Melissa, for inviting me for this <laughs> nice chat. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Detangling Development. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to join us for the next one, where we will be talking about research-based development policy with Marikki Stoketti, Secretary General of the Finnish Development Policy Committee. My name is Melissa Plath. See you next time. This episode was produced and edited by Kelly Brito and Alexandra Birish. Our original theme music is by Vesa Plath. This has been Detangling Development.